I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome to Wood Talk. Now, here are three guys who put the fine in fine woodworking. Mark, Shannon, and Matt. All right, it is show number 525. On today's show, we're talking about uh, putting a project on pause, getting started in veneer, and what's the difference between quilting and curl. But before we get to that, I want to let you know that Rockler brings... Wait, this is the goofy one. I need to read the real one. (laughs) Remember I screwed up all the words? (laughs) Forgot to fix that. Uh, Wood Talk is brought to you by Rockler. Rockler has been helping customers create with confidence for over 65 years. Rockler is giving away a $250 gift card to one lucky Wood Talk listener. Enter for your chance to win before April 30th at rockler.com slash woodtalk. And we usually have Matt do a little Patreon message, but Matt isn't here today. But we will let you know uh, that you can help support the show over at patreon.com slash woodtalk. You can sign up to become a patron of the show and, uh, you know, get the good feels. It's always uh, it's always nice to be supported by our listeners. Uh, and of course, you get don't have feels. to do that. But when people do, it's appreciated. So thank you very much to everyone who has. And we will resume uh, reading the names the next time Matt's okay. back on the show. Eventually, when- eventually, we'll get back to butchering your names. Yes. Coming <laughs> the, soon. The name butchering service is uh, still here. <laughs> we will still do that for you. Uh, but yeah, all that all that good stuff. We'll uh, we'll cover all the names in. Uh, well, probably two shows from now. Uh, but yeah, I think we can just jump right into the what's yeah, on the bench. This, this is the show. This is the show where we basically just bitch about Matt. You know, he's not here. Well, so we get to talk about it. Yeah, he can't defend himself. And here's the thing: you know, That's he's going to listen. He's he's out there That's working true. on his house. He's probably got a uh, you know earphones in. He he definitely is going to be able to hear this. So Matt, uh, I just want to take this moment to say that you suck, and uh, <laughs> I don't like you very much anymore. So. You call that a hole in the wall? That's <laughs> terrible. You can't put a window into that. It's become the worst my- part is 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 his uh, his partner. Um, what's his name? Donovan. I only remember Donovan's his last name. Is that his first name or his last name? I think that's the first. It's name, his last isn't name, it? isn't it? Well, whatever. The Donovan guy. <laughs> yeah. The guy who knows what he's doing. Yeah. The actual home builder. Right. He might actually be listening as well. Like they, I could, I want to imagine that they're listening to this like over a speaker right now while they're doing work. Yeah. And <clears throat> it causes Matt to shoot a 
a nail into something that wasn't supposed to have a nail yeah, on it. Finish nails everywhere. <laughs> I like this idea. Well, uh, Donovan, you should stop letting Matt ride your coattails. I don't think it's very cool of him to do, but uh, you know, we know who the real <laughs> talent is in that operation over there. Yeah, anybody <laughs> who can handle a festival track soul, you know, has a holster for it for his festival track. Yeah, that's awesome. That's cool stuff. All right, let's get to what's on the bench. Uh, TV console is almost done. This is the one that was the, you know, that I had that rendering made that has been yeah, haunting was, me this whole time. Keep meaning to tell you the rendering looks better. <laughs> Thank you. I've, I've meant to send that to you on Instagram several times. And I was like, no, nah, I'm sure somebody's already said that. To you're me. just confirming, you know, this is one of those things where before and after is one thing, but when it's a render versus reality, I'm actually not sure I'm confident enough to post that uh, as a side by side. I don't, I don't know that it's right. worthy of that. So, well, well, you know, a little time in Photoshop and the real picture will be just as good. <laughs> that's true. It's nothing a little Photoshop can't fix. So, yeah, we'll see how that goes. But the, we're wrapping up uh, the hardware at this point. And this is one of those things where SketchUp is biting me in the butt a little bit here because I designed hardware in SketchUp. And I think one of the I've said this in the past, one of the make or break things about custom furniture is if you design your own hardware, or if you haven't picked out the perfect hardware, hardware uh, can make such a statement, especially when you're talking about drawer pulls and knobs on a like little standalone piece. Um, if mm -hmm. you've done everything else right, but you screw that up, you could really tank a piece and just really make it, uh, you know, just kind of jeopardize the overall impression people get when they look at it. So I feel a lot of pressure when designing this kind of hardware. And I, I came up with a design that I really liked. I want to make it out of uh, Macassar Ebony. So it's going to be almost, I mean, this stuff is like almost metal, <laughs> the density of that yeah, material. Uh, so I'm anxious to, to see if I could bring this thing to life. The problem is the scale because it's in SketchUp and I kind of lose sight of what the actual scale of this piece is. Um, when I design basically to what looks like a good proportion in reality, that piece is now three sixteenths of an inch thick. And I, in my head, I was thinking it was probably more like a half inch, but in reality it's super skinny. And now we're just talking about teeny tiny little pieces that have to be drilled for eighth inch uh -huh. brass dowels. It's, Yikes. it's definitely something that's going to, you know, challenge me to, to see if I could bring this thing to life. Now, let me ask you somewhat unrelated, but to the Macassar Ebony, <clears throat> when I've used it in the past, and it's been usually for the same thing, I have Ebony drawer pulls on my tool chest and I've used Macassar Ebony for like box handles and things like that. Mm -hmm. I mean, who can afford to use it for anything other than that, right? <laughs> right. I mean, you can't even get a stick big enough for like an actual board. But um, I actually found finishing to be kind of tricky. Yeah. Um, it was best to actually like finish the hardware independently because um, really it's got such a, 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 like a luster to it Yeah, that you almost can polish it with like a dry yeah, rag. You almost don't need finished. to do anything to it really. Yeah. And because of that, I found like if I'm using a varnish or whatever, I just cannot get the varnish doesn't soak in at all. No. So it just kind of looks off. So I guess my question to you, have you run into this or do you actually, have you thought about like, quote, finishing or polishing the hardware separate of whatever finish you're putting on the overall cabinet. Yeah, it's definitely a less is more thing with this stuff. And I'm probably going to go with, you know, what I've been using for the last few years is some kind of a hard wax oil. Um, I recently made a keyboard wrist rest and it's right here. You can, you can tell this is Macaster Ebony because of this. <laughs> it's really, <laughs> nice. really dense. Good, like a wow. good tone wood. Tone wood. Yeah. Yeah. It's a fretboard right there. <laughs> right. So this, uh, this wrist rest was a good lesson in that because I did hit it with the hard wax oil. And even that 
you have to be careful because you you go, oh, wow, the color really, you know, uh, popped and it just it looks really cool. But you there's there can be streakiness to it. And I had to mm-hmm. take it back to the shop and sand it back down again because I couldn't like it was a little unpredictable, even under a hard wax oil, which is just a low luster finish. So I think the key is to to do that, but it's going to take a lot of buffing treatment, I think, to get it nice and yeah. even. And it will be less is more. And I think pre-finishing it before uh, finally attaching it to the cabinet is probably the best course of action because it will be a little bit different than what's done elsewhere. And ultimately, if all you did was kind of like uh, sand it, get it nice and finished sanded, take a little swipe of that oil, rub it in, wipe off all the excess, you know, as much as you possibly can and never do anything else to it, that's probably fine. I think that's, you know, yeah. the stuff just doesn't need that much treatment. So, I mean, I think like a, a, a buffing wheel yeah. is like the solution there, that little bit of heat from the friction. Because mm-hmm. like if, if, if anybody listening has never worked with this stuff, think of it this way. Like when you apply finish to like a normal wood, you, you get that difference of the end grain. The end grain gets real dark and it soaks in the finish real deeply than the, the face and the edge grain. There is no difference on ebony. It's like, is this end grain? Is this edge grain? What is it? It's yeah. like this this homogenous block of steel. Um, yeah. It just doesn't. It, it's beautiful stuff. It's hard to believe that it's wood. Um, yeah, it's well. And that actually played into work it, with though. It played into one of my strategies for building these things. So I'm looking at these little parts and pieces, and there's these two little standoffs that are the the parts where we hook it to the drawer front. Uh, and that holds a piece of hardware with a uh, brass dowel between those little standoffs. So the way the roundovers were going to go in order to cut those on a, on a stick first, I had to orient the wood a little bit differently. And the end grain ended up where I normally would not necessarily want end grain. But I started thinking about it. I'm like, it doesn't matter. I don't think it's going to mm. matter on this piece. Right. Um, but going back to what you said before, uh, I mean, if I want them to shine, that's a good, that, I think that's really the question. If I want it to be kind of a matte finish, I'll just buff it by hand and use very sparing amounts of oil. If I want to do the buffing thing, well, then I got to be ready for like almost the green and green thing that you do with ebony, uh, yeah, where, where right. those little pegs almost look like, they start to look like plastic, honestly, once they're really polished up, um, because this stuff will take a polish like you wouldn't believe. So I just, I got to kind of have to make that call. Do I want it shiny or do I not want it shiny? And I, I don't know yet for sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard to tell at this point. Yeah, yeah, I've I've made a couple couple of pens out of Macassar ebony, and you know, still have them. They're just incredible. There's no finish on them. Like I I put like the the pin wax, mm-hmm. the, the hard wax thing, and put a buff on it, and like. 12, 15 years later, it's just hand oils and they're just, I was just the, gonna the say, luster is just it's, incredible. It's almost one of those things that the natural oil from, from handling is going to benefit mm-hmm. over time and just make it look better. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty, pretty wild stuff. All right. What you got going on? Uh, well, I had started a couple episodes ago. I talked about, I was building just something simple, just something for me. It was a little, um, small table, which was ended up being a plant stand that goes in the corner of my master bedroom well, that turned into, um, hey, we have these plants, and they would look really good on plant stands. <laughs> plant stands everywhere. So, so uh, I'm, I'm doing a third one at this point. The second one was pretty much the same as the first one. Third one is is a more um, uh, stickly slash Macintosh-inspired arts and crafts nice. with a little bit of pierced, um, vertical pierced lines on the legs. So. I'm um just just getting started on that. I was just breaking stock down um yesterday. But uh yeah, continue to find that to be like my favorite part of a project. Mm-hmm. Like raw lumber 
and like placing parts within the raw lumber and like playing with grain and color match. And yeah, I, I feel like we had a question a while ago about somebody wondered, can somebody just come to my shop and do like machine maintenance? <laughs> I would just go to people's shop and do this. I would just go yeah. and, and like pick your grain and color match I'll and be like the layout whip guy. out a handsaw and break the boards down into parts. That, that's like, I could do that all day long. It's so much fun. I bet yeah. you there would be people who would pay for that. You know, like there, there's different elements, like what appeals to people in the shop and we wear so many hats. Sure. A lot of people don't want that calibration hat, right? But in this case, the layout stuff, there may be people who just like, you know what? I don't care for it. I just want to build it. You tell me where I'm cutting out and then I'll make the cuts. Right. No, I can definitely see that. No, I, I love it. Like being able to get that perfect grain match across a glue line mm-hmm. or getting like the four legs to all look the same and yeah. have, and I start to get really, I admit it's a problem. Like I get really picky like the grain is vertical, but it's slightly slanting to the mm-hmm. right. So this piece, can I, do I also slightly slant it to the right or I have it slant inwards. So like they come together and like, so oh yeah, hold on, does terrible. this work against you though at some point? Cause I know there are times where I commit to this, like I'm going to grain match and purposefully design the grain on this piece, but then I'm limited by what I actually have on hand and it becomes a frustration as opposed to like a gratifying experience. It, it does. And that's actually exactly why I'm building a third plant stand, because <laughs> what happens is you don't find quite the right fit. So you get another board mm-hmm. um, and then you cut like 24 inches off that eight foot board. And that six foot board goes in the shed for the next 15 years. Right. <laughs> so I'm, my shed right now, I still got, I, I haven't tallied up how many board feeder in there. It's, it's, not nearly as much as used to be, but there are a lot of under six foot boards, mm, like okay. four five and and six foot pieces in there. I've got a lot of highly figured like two foot pieces mm-hmm. floating around that one day would make a cool tabletop for like, I've got, let's put it this way. I could build like 300 side tables because <laughs> I've got all a, the lot perfect of, stock. a lot of boards, perfect for a side table. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that, that's where it does bite me. But yeah, I mean, eventually you make somewhat of a compromise. Eventually you remind yourself that this is going to go against a wall and no one's ever going to see the back half of it. <laughs> right. Or this leg doesn't match that leg, but no matter how far spaced your eyes are, you're not going to be able to see both of those legs at the same time. Yep. Like, yeah. Unless you put it in front of a mirror, then you're not going to be able to actually see. So yeah, then you have to kind of dial back and realize, okay, well, what is this going to do to the overall statement of the piece? Am I yeah. focusing too much on the grain here? And is anyone but me ever going to even going to notice it? Um, but yeah, it's like I said, I enjoy doing it. So I, I tend to get a little sucked into it. But then once you actually like pull out the saw and start breaking larger boards into smaller parts and you kind of start stacking up, here are my four legs, here are the pieces for my top, here are my stretchers. And it's it's that initial stage of, you know, like the guy at the beginning of the show says, I take pieces of wood and make them smaller. Yeah. It's a very gratifying moment for me. Yeah. So, yeah. For sure. Anyway. anyway how about, um, how about but, when you go through all that trouble only to realize that at some point you mixed a part up and it no longer, it not only is it not doing what you want it to do, it might be doing the opposite of what you want it to do. <laughs> Done that a couple times. So I'm like, and now it's suddenly all that grain work. And it's like, it's a big neon sign saying, look at me. I don't match. It yeah. is. It is I've, tricky though. Cause once you commit to that and you go, okay, uh, these three pieces, you know, this is a rail and maybe two doors where the top of, of the rails on those two doors all came from the same piece. You split it up perfectly. Once you get detached from that decision, and now we're talking about joinery and we're doing little details, it actually is very easy 
to get those pieces mixed up and end up at the end going, well, damn it. That was for nothing because now everything's all yeah. mixed up. Yeah. Yeah. yeah good stuff. That's true. All right. So uh, well, what do you got here? You got a little mini lumber update. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> some of this is, is uh, some of what I want to promote. Um, I recently did an episode on the lumber update show with a company called Cambium Carbon. Mm. And uh, they had actually expressed interest in coming on Wood Talk. And I kind of said, I'm not sure. We like, don't do that. kind of the same audience. <laughs> uh, well, I, I said, well, we're not really an interview type show, but at the same, I kind of pushed it off more because from one director of marketing to another director of marketing. So I was talking to, I was like, look, yeah. it's kind of sort of the same audience. And while maybe it would make sense in like a year, yeah. like a week after you just showed up in the lumber update might be a bad idea, but I really like this company. Yeah. Um, so I, I kind of, for those who haven't listened to this episode, um, it, as this is being recorded, it's the current live episode. Um, tomorrow it won't be, so hurry. It's episode 72 <laughs> on Cambium Carbon. This is just a company that is connecting urban logs to sawmills and to buyers. They're kind of playing the role that needs to happen. We've got a lot of people doing urban logging, but you know the market itself isn't really well established. It's not established in the same way the commercial lumber trade is established. And Cambium Carbon, I think, in many ways is kind of trying to connect that together. Mm -hmm. um, I'm really excited. I think it's actually the future of the lumber industry, which is kind of a crazy thing for somebody in the lumber industry to say, because in many ways, this is a direct threat to the status quo of the lumber industry. Yeah. So I'm just encouraging people to go check it out. I'm encouraging people who have sawmills to go check out Cambian Carbon. Um, you you want to get in their network because they could not only get logs to you, but they could also send buyers to you. Um, and the more we can kind of network this, the easier the answer to the question of how do I get my hands on, you know, the tree that grew on the corner of 7th and Main. Mm -hmm. um, that's going to become more of a, of a, actually a return to things. Like I remember when I was in Austria a couple years ago and typical woodworker, like we're on the train whizzing across Austria and it's like, oh, look at the mountains, look at the mountains. Like, oh, look, there's a lumber yard. <laughs> oh, look, there's a, you know, let's see what they I was so, it was so cool. Every little village had a sawmill and that's the way it was, right? Every village had a blacksmith. Every yeah. village had a cabinet maker. Every village had a sawyer. And there was bartering that went on and, and, you know, you, you didn't go abroad to source your materials. You went down to the corner and that's kind of where Cambian carbon is taking things back is let's source wood from the local, the local city, give it to local sawyers and sell it to local builders. That's great. Um, and, and really reducing, you know, that certainly we can talk about carbon footprint and all that fun stuff, but it's, it's a, it's an economic and social change that's pretty cool. Yeah. So anyway, mostly um, I wanted to promo that. But as far as a mini lumber update, I have emails coming out my ears about Russian plywood <laughs> yeah. and what's going on with the plywood market. And what's the deal uh, I, with Russian plywood? <laughs> I kind of addressed it on one of the uh, more recent episodes of the lumber update, but it was still a little too early to tell. The answer is it's still too early to tell. So if 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 you've been living under a rock, there's this thing going on in Ukraine right now. Um, Russia is very, very bad. Again, you know, I grew up with Russia being very, very bad. Excuse me, the Soviet Union being very bad. Now they're bad again. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's all a circle. But certainly there have been tariffs, and in, I don't know if there have officially been embargoes, but Russian material is bad. Just put it that way. Um, well, Plywood, excuse me, Russian plywood makes up 10% of the overall market. 
Russia also happens to be the world's largest exporter of wood products. Um, a large portion of those wood products go into plywood. Some of it's made in Russia. That's hmm. that 10%. Some of it is sent elsewhere and made into it. If you just think about the continent of Asia and those huge, vast boreal forests up there filled with birch, old growth birch, they are they have so much wood to choose from. And the material grows relatively quickly. They've got a pretty good sustainability um, situation up there to the point that they can be really picky. So mm -hmm. Baltic birch plywood has always been kind of the gold standard of shop plywood because the quality of the wood is so high up on in in the country of Russia, but the continent of Asia and those vast forests up there. Also, some of the forests in Scandinavia, which why we have Finnish plywood and things like that. It's all kind of the same ecosystem, if you will. The problem is, obviously, we don't want to support the Russian economy, mm -hmm. but because Russian plywood makes up such a massive amount of the market and no one can compete with it. There have been several North American manufacturers who have tried. States Industries have tried. They put out the Apple Ply product. You remember David Marks talking about yeah. Apple Ply on the show all the time? Right. And people used to email me going, how do you make plywood out of Apple? Apples are like yeah. tiny little trees. Like, no, 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 no. It's, not it's what a it brand means. name. Yeah. It's not species Apple. It was, in, in many instances, it was maple um, inner cores. Mm -hmm. Technically, Apple Ply is still being made. Um, between you and me, I think States Industries bought Apple Ply as a way to kind of kill it. Mm. They didn't kill it, yeah. but you know how like tech companies will buy one another in order to kill a tech. Yeah. Um, well, to remove a piece of competition or something. Right. I, I kind of feel like that's what States did. Um, cause for about a couple of years there, Apple ply kind of disappeared and we thought it was gone forever. They are kind of manufacturing it almost on a just in time basis right now. It is a very, very good product, but here's the thing. It's not in many instances, it's not made out of, um, birch, Russian birch, yeah. which is, Beautiful for plywood. You know, like they can make no seams and zero voids with this incredible um, material. Second, no one can compete with the price. Now, I don't know much about the Russian labor system. I don't think it's quite as bad as China, but I also don't think that they're getting like the same pay as North American workers. Sure. Um, the proximity to the forests, the huge labor force they have, and the massive industry that's already built up around it, no one can compete with Russian birch on the quality and on the price. Mm. So as North American companies like States or like Columbia Forest Products try to create a product that competes with them, they end up getting kind of slotted into a niche. And, and you get people who are loyal to brands and you get people who are loyal to like, say, Columbia Forest because it's made in North America. You know, you're buying because it's, it's, it's made in the USA, but you... You, you know that you're paying a premium for it. You're paying like 20 to $30 more a sheet because of brand loyalty. And I applaud you for that. But, you know, over the global market, it becomes very difficult to compete. So here's where we are. Sorry, I'm making a really long story short. But the answer, people keep emailing me saying, what's an alternative? And my answer is there isn't one. While there may be some products that can fit that niche, they will not come close to the price point you're used to paying. Um, nor will they come close to the inflated price point that you're seeing right now. We've seen um, all of my plywood suppliers, and I'm not a, I don't work for a large plywood company. We're a hardwood company, but we do have, we have a, a huge, huge, we have a, a small segment of marine ply because we do a lot of boat builders. Our marine ply has gone up 380% in the last six months. Ooh. It's just the way things are. And I'm not talking about shipping. Shipping is, is like 800% up. 
everything when it comes to manufacturing a plywood is expensive. But even with, like, even if you could get Russian ply, and there are many companies that are just choosing, like, no, morally, I'm not going to do it. We're yeah. not we're not using Russian products at all. You can get it. It's just really, really expensive. So if you look for an alternative, there really isn't one. And I have said on the lumber update that it would I could see this as an opportunity for a company to maybe grab part of that market share while no one is buying Russian. But I'm starting to reconsider that because the more I look at the the nickels and dimes of it, I honestly don't think a North American manufacturer or a European manufacturer could create the same quality of product at the same price point. Mm-hmm. I don't first of all, I don't think they could create the same quality because all the material comes from those boreal forests in Asia. Yeah. That's the good stuff. Um, States Industries, as I said, tried, but they ended up going with maple, which doesn't quite work the same. And you get a weight per panel difference. That's not the same. Drying the veneers is more expensive because maple's so dense. So the price point is, is ridiculous. Here's the next layer to this. We all hope that the Ukrainian war gets resolved quickly, right? We're all hoping that it's going to turn out, it's going to end, and we can kind of, you know, people can resume, we can slap Russia's wrist, and all that would go back to normal. Well, when that happens, how long until it's okay to buy Russian goods again? You know, I mean, yeah. no one can answer that question. That's yeah, personal from a, thing. Right, right. But from a manufacturer standpoint, if you're looking at the capital investment of creating a new product line and literally a new production line, or maybe shutting down a current production line that's giving you money right now in order to produce a new production line that is going to face like the big bear competition mm-hmm. in a year, two years, six months, you could lose your shirt. Yeah. So looking at an industry like plywood that moves ridiculously slow, no one is willing to take that chance at this point. Everybody's kind of looking at everybody else going, well, you do it. <laughs> you go first. <laughs> yeah. Now here's the other wrinkle that nobody wants to talk about. The mafia. <laughs> oh. The Russian organized crime syndicates are incredibly powerful. They also happen to own or finance most of the world's hackers. <laughs> So do you want to take on an industry that is massive and is hard to compete with and is also has ways of making you quiet, <laughs> making your life miserable? So the, you know, so the, the long winded answer to this, folks, is you have to kind of suck it up. I feel for the guys who live on birch plywood. There's so many manufacturers out there um, who like engineered flooring has ground to a halt because they all put it on a Baltic birch substrate. Yeah. So like my business has suffered because I sell a lot of hardwood. I sell a lot of hardwood skins to engineered flooring companies. They don't want any because they still have the current stock because they don't have anything to stick it on. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's, it's a crazy, crazy world. And the, there is no answer at this point. I'm, I'm sorry to say there's not an alternative product. And at this point, I don't think there's going to be, it's way too risky on all those fronts that I just said to take it on. So just got to get sorry, used folks. to fewer plies and uh, plywood that likes to potato chip on you. <laughs> it's yeah. like, what else yeah. can you do but downgrade your expectations? Yeah, I know we're selling a lot more of our um, stave core, our feather core product uh-huh. um, in situations where we haven't in the past because mm-hmm. it primarily is sold as a lightweight panel, a stable and lightweight panel. Um, and we've had quite a few engineered flooring guys who've taken it and and tested it and played with it and then come back and bought some more. Um, so there's, there's a stable alternative, but blockboard is hard to get. Like you're, you're not going to find a lot of people who carry this stuff. What about so, yeah, like, uh, 
like a classic core with the, the MDF interior and then a few layers apply on the outside. That's something that I've always found, like when I was actually building sure. for clients, was a good dependable, you know, flat, still had that sort of density that feels real good that you get with Baltic birch and Russian birch ply, but uh, is definitely not the same thing, but still seemed to be okay. Is that is that not attractive to some of the uh, industry? I think it always comes down to what exactly you're building. Like yeah. I agree that's a stable panel, but it is heavy, yeah. really heavy. Um, so if, if weight is a factor in whatever you're building, it's a no go. Yeah. Um, mm. the, uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Screw holding capacity yeah. of birch far exceeds MDF. Yep. So that's another issue from a structural perspective. If you need that holding power, it's a no go as yeah, well. Still got that for many people. If, if what you want is flat, that's perfect. Sure. You know, so that's, that's a good thing. But yeah, plywood is such now that like you can tweak every little aspect of it in order to make it good at something. Mm -hmm. You can't really make a panel that's good at everything. That's just not right. really possible. So that's why like people that specialize in manufacturing plywood, they have like 17 lines. And, and the difference from one line to the another is so minuscule that Actually, I have, a, I have a story, not to not to draw this out anymore, but um, one of the plywood sales guys um, to a, a, a big boat builder in North America was, um, we were pitching our lightweight feather core product to them. And this guy was like, well, I can do the same thing um, with this panel. And he's like, wait, no, this panel. Oh crap, maybe it's this panel. He's like sorting through <laughs> these different panels and he can't tell the difference between these product lines yeah, right. because they were so like, there's such a tiny little difference between them. Um, and, and many times there's a different product line. They, they changed one thing in order to reduce the price point by $5 a sheet, okay. you know, and that's the only difference. Yeah. Um, but the beauty of plywood is it's, it's a manufactured product. So if something is $5 cheaper, there's a reason yeah. like it's a quantifiable production process. If you want it to be cheaper, then you speed up the glue line you know, so that the panels go through on the conveyor belt faster, which means the glue coat, the, the layer of glue is thinner Yeah, because it's still the, the atomizer is still spraying at the same rate. Um, <laughs> but when you speed up the, the conveyor, you get a thinner glue. It's line, like the commercial which means you can produce more panels. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Make it go slower. So yeah. Well, what I, what I urge you to do folks, if you live on plywood, if plywood is the center of your manufacturing, you got to think real long and hard about what it is you need. Um, and, and try to find something that fits that need. You may have to compromise somewhere else, but if, if, if flatness is absolutely most important, focus on that. Yeah. If weight is most important, focus on that. There are other things you can do. You and I both know this, Mark. If you've got a panel that potato chips on you, there are ways to unpotato chip it. Mm -hmm. You know, there are construction methods to deal with that. Right. Um, so yeah, deal with it. Whew. I would, I don't envy people in that position, you know, this product you've depended yeah. on for a long time. And now you, you want to find an alternative, but you can't find a reasonable alternative. It's everything is a compromise that, that really sucks. Well, and this is one of those behind the scenes products. Yeah. When you, when you start looking at products we see every single day, you don't realize how much birch plywood goes into those products. Right. Um, uh, literally under the surface, under a veneer or, mm -hmm. You know, it, it's small parts. When you think of like tiny little parts, children's toys and things like that, it's it's incredible how much birch is in the market. Yeah. So it's yeah, wild. it's going to be a, a very painful um, recovery. Okay. Well, you know who's not controlled by the Russian mafia? <laughs> Do we know that? <laughs> Actually, we don't. I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't say that. <laughs> you never know. 
It's Rockland. Mean, I've gotten some. I've gotten some emails from Megan before, which make me wonder. They're just I weird symbols and stuff that don't look like it. You know, <laughs> yep. English letters. Yeah, you never know. Cyrillic. Yeah, she, she could be Russian. <laughs> well, uh, they want to tell you about outdoor furniture. Uh, if you start building outdoor, they're furniture, not, folks. They're not. They're not a Russian company. <laughs> don't. I'm not making light of the situation. Sorry. Actually, that's true. We should probably, this is maybe being a little we bit should too stop joking about lighthearted about given about the current circumstances. So maybe a Very true. bad mark. Sorry. Um, so start building outdoor furniture for your space with help from Rockler. Rockler offers outdoor furniture templates and hardware for several different designs, including modern patio furniture, Adirondack chairs, a portable outdoor chair, an English garden bench, and more. You can also find tips and tricks for your projects, including choosing the best woods for outdoor furniture and choosing the best finish. Find everything you need to start building your projects uh, at the store. You just find your local Rockler or go to rockler.com for all that great information. And this is that time of year, right? We're in uh, April starting to uh, get into like full swing with spring. That means it's time to make some outdoor projects. So you know where to go if you need that stuff. Head over to Rockler and uh, I'm going to stop talking about Russia now. Yeah, especially in relation you know, I actually, to a sponsor. <laughs> I actually did that the other day. I went and looked at their outdoor project plans. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'll admit to this freely. I, I had no intention of buying a project plan. I just wanted to look at some pictures. Yeah, inspiration. Specifically of, of English garden benches. There's a lot of stuff. They have like 17 different Adirondack plants. Yeah, they're not messing around. When it comes to the furniture yeah. stuff and the plans and the resources they're building on the website, we say this all the time. Um, it's always a pleasant surprise to see how much they're putting into what, what kind of falls under the, 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 the area of like content as opposed to simply just products. Um, but yeah. of course, if you want the products to support making those things, they've got it all. It's great. All right, let's get into our questions. Got one from Chris C. He says, it's my first time writing. So I wanted to tell you that I appreciate you sharing your woodworking knowledge. And I also enjoy the non woodworking stuff. Hey, look at that. Uh, and Mark, everybody knows you're a very skilled. This is this. I had to put this in here. You know, I had to. <laughs> Everybody knows you're a very skilled woodworker, but I want to point out to everyone listening that you're also an extremely talented show host. I'm impressed on every show with your ability to subtly and gracefully guide the proceedings and your quips really are quality. You crack me up is what I'm saying. Can we just, do we, can we end the show right now? Cause I think that's the high note for me. <laughs> Maybe I just retire uh, at this point. You know who is sponsored by the Russian mafia? <laughs> that's great. He actually does have a question. Let's get to it. He says, what's the difference between quilting and curl? Or is there a difference? Ooh. All right. So Shannon, I know you're probably going to have a little bit more of um, technical, like a technical expertise on what maybe produces these things. But in a couple of weeks, I will, when I put out an episode on figured wood and the okay. lumber update, I'm still researching right now. Like, I think it's super interesting if you look at figure and then you take it back one step further to the tree and you can examine the bark and the trunk that there are signs of what is going on on the inside based on what you can see on the outside. I'm completely detached from that. I do not know any of that stuff. I only know it in, in a lumber form. And even then I may look at something and go, Oh, look at that beautiful quilt. And someone's like, Oh, that's bees wing. And I'm like, Oh, what, whatever. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> Shut up. Um, so t- tell me if, if my assessment of this uh, agrees with yours, Shannon. So when I look at okay. quilting and curl curl, is a little bit more of a frequently repeating line structure. It's almost a striping, a zebra pattern of sorts, where it, depending on the way the light hits it or a finish hits it, it's kind of a light, dark, light, dark. And it just repeats uh, of, over the course of the board to varying degrees. When I see quilting, I think more like 
almost like you're looking at a big bubble wrap, like the oversized bubble wrap. Um, it, it's like a, a modeling of the surface, uh, w- almost a patchwork. Um, and it is, it is sort of comprised of light and dark areas and different sheens. That's what creates the effect. Uh, but it's almost like little square splotches or maybe not quite squares. There are different shapes, but they kind of have sides to them. And that's why I, the bubble wrap analogy, large bubbles, uh, is something that I always think of when I see it. It just looks bubbly to me. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's an accurate way to describe something like this, but that's always the impression that I get when I see it. That was something that I think looks, it's that, that 3d nature. Yeah. Much more 3d of it. Yeah. Yeah. And if you see like, uh, let's see, like big leaf maple quilted maple stuff that like David Marks used to use on woodworks that just once you hit that with oil, it's such a three dimensional thing that just blows your mind when you see it, it's on a different level. Um, so I think overall quilting, I think tends to be more visually impressive or more visually. It stands out more, I think than curl curl is also, you know, visually too much of a good thing can be bad if you overdo it. Uh, but I think quilted material is even more so to that point because it's so much more visually impactful. Um, but I don't know how else you would describe the differences. So do you know anything more or anything you could add to that? No, I, I agree with you. I do think curly um, is more kind of regimented. And and other terms for curly would be fiddleback or tiger maple. Um, and, you know, you think of a tiger and it's a series of stripes. Yeah. Um, fiddleback maple is really, really tight stripes. But there tends to be like an overall um, pattern there where it's, it's a lot of just lines, straight lines across the board. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas quilted doesn't really have that pattern. It's kind of all over the place, which I think why it's called quilted. I mean, yeah. imagine taking a bed quilt and kind of throwing it on a bed. And as it falls, that's what you get, you know, very lumpy and kind of chaotic. Yeah. Um, whereas curly is, is much less chaotic. Um, there's, there's a lot more. Yeah. Order. What do you like, if you had to pick thing. a favorite, what do you like better? Ooh, probably like a, a real fiddleback, a real like tight fiddleback. Super tight, um, yeah. Uh, just because I think I kind of like the 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 regimentation of it. Yeah. Um, I think quilted is really beautiful, but it's got to be used sparingly. Um, it it goes that line you're talking about from mm. ooh that's cool to too much. Yeah, is very fine, and I think that line comes very quickly with quilted. Yeah, I've seen a. I remember, gosh back when blogs were a thing, um, I wrote I a blog that. post. I, I went into a, like a, a fine art gallery up in some chichi town in Maine. And it's like one of those galleries where everything in there is like $15,000, but it was just fun to walk through. And there was a sitting bench that was made out of quilted bubinga Ooh. with quilted. Um, so it was like a frame and panel top. So the rails and styles were quilted bubinga. The panel in the middle was a flush panel, but that was quilted big leaf maple. Wow. And then it had um, something like a, a string inlay, like outlining the panel. And that was something weird, like Bacote, you oh, know, geez. kind of a yellowy color. Yeah. The legs of the whole thing were made out of the same quilted bubinga. Mm-hmm. And it was just offensive. It was just an assault on the eyes. There was just way too much going on. And I mean, it was a beautifully made bench. It was gorgeous wood, but the whole piece was just ugly as sin. Yeah. And I remember That's stepping tough. out and going, what a waste, man. Like just too much of a good thing. Yeah. And it just ruined the whole thing. So yeah, I, I think that's why I kind of like the fiddleback. Cause to me, fiddleback is perfect for like the panel of a door 
or a drawer front. Yeah. Um, and it makes that great pop. I mean, it doesn't have to continue beyond the confines of the drawer or that panel. It's, yeah. It makes enough of a statement that you don't have to have it anywhere else. Sure, sure. Well, and it's also, these are great things to buy in veneer form. And then you could play yeah. with different designs with marquetry or parquetry or whatever kind of, you know, border inlays and things like that. Yeah. Okay, your question. Interesting question. I've never thought about the difference. Um, this is from Patrick. He says, I'm a fairly new hobbyist woodworker, which means I typically only have time to woodwork on uh, weekends. And sometimes life just gets in the way, meaning a project gets paused for quite some time before I can resume. I've discovered that wood does things in my absence, like warping or even <laughs> checking. Yeah, do. Once I even made the dumb mistake of stopping a turning for a week and I forgot the thing was coated in wax initially. Don't. Oops. So after a few days, it cracked. My ideal solution to this would simply be have more time to woodwork and expedite the process of finishing a project. But realistically, life gets in the way. So what do you do at various stages to preserve a woodworking project? Um, if you know, you have to put it aside for a couple of weeks. So um, here's my thought. Well, first of all, let's talk about the, the thing on the lathe. Um, I've had this a couple times where I've started turning something. And especially because, as you guys know, I, I turn with human power, bicycle power, <laughs> which these slow. days is actually faster than my lathe. Yeah. Um, uh -huh. <laughs> no, maybe not. Um, <laughs> but... What I will do is simply take the, say you're turning a bowl or something like that. I will wrap the bowl in like a plastic grocery bag mm -hmm. and, and like, you know, pull it up tight and kind of tie it tight. And that's fine. You know, it turns it into a little greenhouse and all the moisture that's escaping condensates and just kind of keeps a very, very moist, humid environment inside there. That works great to keep a bowl from, from cracking apart. Um, when it comes to project parts, and this happens to me all the time. Uh, my my problem is, is I set one aside and then start another one. So then that first one is like sitting over in the corner. Mm -hmm. um, if I've got panels, I will uh, stack and sticker them. So I've got plenty of airflow. And then I will clamp them, like band clamp them or weight them. So you're providing airflow, but you're also restricting their movement a little. Restraining their movement is a better way of putting it. You know, you can stack and sticker them, but if you don't weight them, th those boards, they're still going to have a tendency to want a potato chip. Um, maybe they will, maybe they won't. It's wood, it's organic, you don't know. But that, you know, wrapping a band clamp around it or just putting like a heavy toolbox on top of it does really good to keep things from, from getting out of control there. What I ultimately try to do is get to a joinery part and yeah. join the parts together. So say I'm building a frame and panel door. I will finish the door and assemble it. I won't glue it, but I'll assemble it and even throw a clamp across it and set it aside. Or if you're doing like a tongue and groove joint or something like that, absolutely hammer that tongue and groove together and that will hold itself flat. That will keep it. You might get some some cupping, you know, across the width of the panel, but that's not really a big issue, especially on like shiplap or whatever. Um, but you want to try to assemble your joints, assemble the dovetails on a, on a carcass. Um, even if you only have like two, like the top and the bottom of the carcass done, assemble that dovetail joint, throw a clamp across it. Ideally, you want to have all parts, all four, so you have the box so you can clamp the box. And I think you could set a clamped carcass aside for years and you'd be fine um, without really any issues there. Mm -hmm. If you're seeing a lot of checking, that's kind of a different issue. I mean, and now you're dealing with wood that obviously is not at equilibrium moisture content um, and is probably quite a bit above equilibrium moisture content, or you may have some kiln defect. Um, I mean, checking is going to happen on a lot of boards, but like big checking shows a lot of moisture differential. 
So if you are worried about that, then you want to, you know, that's the anchor seal thing. You mm -hmm. want to seal your ends, use a product like anchor seal, or if you have some latex paint, you can use, you know, just paint it on the ends to prevent that from happening. That would be pretty early on in a project. Obviously, I'm not going to be putting latex paint on like, you know, a raised panel. <laughs> I've already raised it or whatever. Yeah, um, in that instance, get it in the frame um, yeah. and you're good to go. So you think I'm missing anything, Mark? Uh, well, another option. It kind of takes it in a different direction. A lot of people, you know, you got some panels cut. Um, you're going to pour epoxy over it. Yes. Sealed it completely that, encapsulated. I knew in that's epoxy. where you were going. <laughs> but like a lot of people will do the sticker stack and say, let it get as much air as possible. Right. As as much air on all sides as possible. Um, there's another tactic that's the opposite. It's to slow that process down more uh, by putting it either take that uh, plastic garbage bag throw the parts in there, uh, get all the air out of it and tie it up. Um, or yeah. even shrink wrap. I've done that with panels where I will shrink wrap a bundle of panels. Um, I had to do this once where I went out of town for something and these were boards that I was going to hand cut dovetails on and I just could not time it properly. They were all dead flat, perfectly flat, ready to go. And I just knew that by the time I came back two weeks later, that these things were not going to be flat anymore and it was going to be a problem. And they were down to final thickness. Um, so I just stretch wrapped them and put them in their own little bundle. And the idea behind that is these things are not totally air proof in this, like they're not airtight. They will let some air exchange happen, but it will slow down the loss, that rapid loss of any humidity or moisture that's in the wood. So I don't know that that's going to work in every case, but I have heard and seen and then also experienced myself going the opposite route of just let's slow down this loss of moisture. Let's slow down the, um, process of it uh reaching equilibrium with this environment until i can get back to it and you're almost kind of slowing down time in a sense uh, right. instead of letting it rush to wherever it's going you're saying oh, no, hold on slow down let's let's pretend we didn't take those layers of wood off uh, and that has worked for me in the past as well that's actually a a really good point thank you for bringing that up that's a lot of um uh exporters do that mm -hmm. um where they will um specifically dead stack so when you sticker it, you're stickering, you've got air in between them. If you yeah. take out the stickers with no air in between, it's called dead stacking. Yeah. They will dead stack something. Certainly you can get more in a container, but you're, you're pushing out as much air as possible and you're preventing airflow. Um, and then um, in some instances, they'll close up a container and they'll actually run a vacuum pump. Now th there's no vacuum, obviously, you know, you just, the containers collapsing upon itself <laughs> under the atmospheric pressure, right. but they're, they're just slowing that process down and they're pulling out um, the excess stuff, and then you stip it on a, on a container. And when it works really well is when everything that's either shrink wrapped or in the container is kind of all around the same. Yeah. Um, so, and, and, and even if it's slightly different, like one board may lose some moisture and it, the other board picks it up and they're kind of exchanging moisture and you're kind of making a closed environment. Um, that's actually a really good point. Um, really wet wood, don't do that. No, you'll have mold. Yeah, that's <laughs> a different have, story. I'm talking about you'll have spalted wood yeah. when you come back. It'll right. I'm talking about kiln dried stock specifically. Yeah. Okay. No, that's a good. That's a good solution, especially when stuff is at final. You know, you can't afford it to move because it's at final thickness, yeah. and and you know you you're almost ready to put finish on it. You know. Yeah. That's. That's I a think good idea. I was at Daryl Peart's shop, and he does occasionally does classes, and he will do a lot of the prep work ahead of time. So he will have parts that are milled up like a month or so ahead of time and they just have to sit there and they're pretty much at finish dimension. 
uh, that, that they just kind of need their joinery added to them. And that's exactly what he does. He just stacks them all together, dead stacks them, if you will, and then uh, does mm-hmm. the the shrink wrap on them. And they are nice and stable. When a student opens it up a month later, they just pop it open and they're ready to go. Seems to, I mean, it's, it's very satisfying too. stretch wraps the best. Yeah, it is fun to use. <laughs> I love wrapping that more stuff. fun than it should be. You wrap your dog in it, wrap your kids in it. Oh, it's they great. love it. The kids love it. Absolutely. This is terrible. It's speaking fun for of, everybody. Speaking of dead stack. Sorry. Terrible joke. <laughs> okay. Um, nice. I think that's going to do it for us. You got to get out when the getting's good. Uh, family. Yeah, there was supposed to be a third question in here, but we killed it. So oh, did we? Sorry for teasing everybody at the beginning when we said we were going to talk about veneer. We're not going to do that. Getting started in veneer. Right. What was that question? I don't even see it here. It's because I deleted it. Oh, because we right. said we were only going to have one question a piece. Well, sorry. We'll do it next time. Maybe or not. <laughs> Jonathan, you know who you are. Yo, we'll get to you. We, we love you. <laughs> All right, family-owned since 1954, Rockler is your go-to source for high-quality and innovative woodworking tools, finishing supplies, hardware, lumber, and expert advice. Whether you're building a simple bookshelf, a custom desk, or new kitchen cabinets, Rockler has everything you need to make your next project a success. Visit rockler.com for a store near you or use the code WOODTALK. It's just one word to receive free shipping on most online orders over $49. And remember to head to rockler.com slash woodtalk and enter for your chance to win that $250 gift card. You got till the end of the month, so it's getting there. Someone's going to win it. Super excited. I hope it's me. (laughs) But it won't be. (laughs) That wouldn't look good. No. That might look bad. We'd like to announce our winner happens to be uh, the host of a show we sponsor. Who knew? Uh, all right. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's Rockler's way. Maybe that's how they're going to pay us now. Oh, huh. through gift card winnings. <laughs> That'd be great. <laughs> okay, folks, we have offended enough people for the day. So mm-hmm. if we personally offended you, let us know. Go to whattalkshow.com and... Uh, Send us a, a voicemail on your phone. Email that to woodtalkshow at gmail.com or fill out the contact form and tell us all the people we offended this week. Or tell us about your ties to the Russian mafia. You know? No, we don't want to know that. We, we, gotta we definitely don't want to know that. And and definitely head over on Instagram and give Macramona a hard time for flaking and, and not being part of the show today. <laughs> yeah. Let him know. Putting his home construction as a higher priority than Wood Talk. That little... Yeah. I think the best the best revenge here is you got two options. You either let Matt know how much of a jerk he is for not being here, or better yet, you let him know how great the show was without him. <laughs> Those are the two options, and I think both would be effective. <laughs> That's mean. <laughs> yeah, it is. That's what happens when you're not here. All right. Uh, it's great. Yeah. Bye-bye, everybody. We'll see you next time. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. 
Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.